It is that time in the week and in the show where we meet up with our friends over at Black Locks Reporter, where they do all the digging and all the juicy nuggets, and they find the goods every single time. Joining us now, Tom Korski, who is the managing editor. And, of course, Tom, you must be very excited to see all the MPs back, assuming, of course, they don't create this hybrid parliament that they are so insistent on uh, bringing in. I think they vote on it tomorrow, but they're back. Exciting to see some of the motions and uh, objections on a member's privilege because they want to start reopening all the mm-hmm. investigations that lapsed when the prime minister called the election August 15th, Alex. That's a big deal. And some mm-hmm. of those investigations are very far-reaching. So far-reaching, cabinet, as in a couple of cases, has gone to the ends of the earth. To block those investigations, this, this is not conservative axe grinding. This is conservative blog, New Democrat, and Green Party axe grinding. This is 178 opposition MPs saying enough is enough. It's going to get hot. Well, how long is it going to take to get these committees? Look, they're going to, they've got 19 days before they're back on holidays, which is just preposterous. But anyway, don't get me started on that. But how long is it going to take for them to get these committees going uh, you know, ahead? And it's interesting to note that um, you know, the Speaker of the House, which has been a bit of a thorn in Trudeau's side, is back as being the Speaker of the House. And of course, for those who don't know, the Liberal government tried to sue him uh, to seal these documents. So they sued their own colleague, a Liberal MP, but the Speaker of the House, uh, Anthony Rhoda. Oh, absolutely. No, the chips are down. They can do it in pretty short order. Now, that doesn't mean that Cabinet is going to bend. But it means it's going to be a big fight. And some of these issues really matter, Alex. In the case of the uh, federal court application, that involved monkey business on security clearance for Chinese scientists at the nation's foremost federal a microbiology lab who had connections mm-hmm. to Wuhan. Are you kidding me? They were uh, <laughs> frog marched out of the building after the RCMP raided the place. You bet cabinet doesn't want to talk about that, let alone sole sourced contracting, favoritism and awards for personal protective equipment and on and on and on. And that's the future for the 44th Parliament. It picks up exactly where the 43rd Parliament left off. Yeah, well, maybe we'll get finally some answers uh, on questions that do absolutely need to be answered. And it also, you know, we'll be, I guess, hearing more about these allegations against the Clerk of the Commons, which is a position that is supposed to be nonpartisan um, and yet is accused of misusing his office to send inside information to Liberal MPs. But the Liberals say, well, this shall be done in secret, of course. But this is a man, Charles Robert who you guys write about, he's accused of incompetence and favoritism. Um, He's paid $231,000 a year as an appointee. And now he's gone on this very sudden leave, paid by the, of course, uh, after CBC, or was it probably you guys, I should probably cite you guys because you guys always break it first, but after multiple sources alleged that he had been tipping off cabinet, but also um, celebrated the the liberal win in 2019, you know, because it was a good thing for his career. But he's also accused of sleeping at work, mismanaging staff, and um, several managers had to quit. And why does this matter? I'll tell you what the takeaway is. This is one of those positions, and every everyone knows uh, a public office holder in their town, the chief of police, the fire commissioner, the clerk of the House of Commons. No, no politics for you. You serve mm-hmm. all the people all the time. You work for the taxpayer, and they vote all different ways. So you want to keep that straight. And the implication is, in this case, uh, the clerk became confused on that point after he was appointed by cabinet. That's a big problem. That's sort of a leftover 
of the 42nd Parliament, where there were some implications involving the public service having a complicated relationship with a certain Quebec engineering company, SNC-Lavalin. Look at Alex. These people all have ethics codes that would choke a horse. They get confused sometimes in this town. You work for all the people all the time, not when you feel like it and not some of the time. Everyone has little friends. Everyone has guys they play cards with or shoot pool with. That's not your job to pick and play favorites. You work for all the people all the time. It's funny how many people at a very senior level in this town forget that sometimes. Yeah, the most senior throughout this entire government's uh, tenure have all somehow been very been found to be very, very cozy. I mean, the last guy, the leader of the Privy Council, that nutty guy who put out a book that no one wants to buy or read, um, you know, like there's this the very incestuous relationship between these public service employees and the government in, uh, of the day. And, and it should be a concern. It's very inside baseball, but it should be a concern to Canadians. Well, to the point of the president of the public health agency, who's another cabinet appointee, censured, mm-hmm. named and shamed on the floor of the House of Commons, hasn't happened since 1891 because he didn't feel like complying with a House order from opposition MPs that was passed and effective to the point of having the weight of a, uh, a court order. It was a summons. And the president, Ian Stewart, God bless him, testified in committee that, that he thought it could be bad for him if he complied. MP's heads exploded. <laughs> they had to explain to this man that we are not working here for you. You, you seem to be confused. When you have uh, uh, public officials who are so mm-hmm. arrogant and detached that they begin mm-hmm. to get confused on these elemental points, you have bad government. And bad government is ineffective and expensive every time. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, if people are wondering, well, why do I care? Well, you know, these are the people who are in charge of all the documents that seem to get shredded by accident or whatever. I mean, they've, they've got their hands on a lot of stuff that they can make disappear and all the rest of it. And so they work for us. They don't work for the government of the day. Um, and, and I think, yeah, you're right. They've got to start remembering that. Meanwhile, um, government house leader Mark Holland, he's only been on the job for two days and I'm already thoroughly annoyed with him. I, I, like, honestly, is he going to be this annoying? Because here he is telling the media that uh, cabinet will not tolerate obfuscation or, or political games this time around. And yet this government, his own colleagues have been nothing but, uh, you know, wasting time. They have filibustered everything they have written. out. I mean, they have done everything to play games. It's interesting, uh, he did say that, uh, (laughs) what he would tolerate and what he would not tolerate. It was funny, though, because, you know, when you don't have the votes, well, tut-tut, it looks like rain. (laughs) Yes, the majority of MPs in the House uh, do not think you're doing such a great job. Uh, One memo to files for Government House Leader Holland. He would be the third Government House Leader, I believe, in four years, and there is one of them who's no longer in cabinet. They seem to go through them pretty quickly. The <laughs> cabinet is not getting the hang of this minority parliament business. It's tricky, Alex. It's, it's, it's tricky. It's not about working what with... you will tolerate. It's funny. No, working with people is very, very difficult for the prime minister. He does not like it one bit. And I love this one. Department of Foreign Affairs spending 627000 
to promote feminism in Venezuela. And so they did things like they hired a $560 a day uh, publicist to arrange high-level media interviews with women legislators. They call this thing the Venezuela Project. I mean, if they're going to throw $627,000 at Venezuela, I mean, really, Tom? I'm not sure I would be throwing it to that. I'd probably be throwing it to maybe food for poor people so that they don't have to eat the zoo animals. I mean, really? Oh, but you hit on a crucial point, Alex. When when governments do this, it means they have too much money. It means they have so much money that money has lost its value. They're like the wealthy person who orders the $400 bottle of wine in the restaurant. I mean, in 20 minutes, it'll have the same effect as a $7 bottle of vodka. But the point mm-hmm. is, in that case, that's their money. In this case... It's your money. But it doesn't mean anything. They don't look at that dollar and see a unit representing a year's worth of labor for a hardworking taxpayer. They look at that dollar and see opportunity for an interesting time. And that's what the Foreign Affairs Department did in this case. And the day will come. I don't want to make this sound like a lecture, but anyone who's been around more than 20 minutes. The day will come Hmm. where funding will be cut, will be short diabetes pumps. Where's the money for the wheelchair ramp at the old soldier's home? And I hope people remember the Department of Foreign Affairs, the day they approved goofy spending like this, two-thirds of a million for some feminist project in Caracas to fly women legislators from Venezuela to Paris, have cocktail parties, talk about empowerment. Wow. Uh, yeah, but it's almost as good as your story for Monday, you know, where foreign affairs are probably the same per- time period, throwing all this relief money to, um, you know, the Philippines for typhoon recovery, and they bought uh, karaoke machines. And, and again, and, and the situation that they had money for Afghanistan, but they didn't, they didn't know what to do with it. So they just kind of throw this stuff around. I mean, honestly, they're either inept, stupid, ignorant, or just completely uh, not prepared to do that job. And they have too much money, Alex. I mean, deficit times are good times. And the irony is the finance minister says it's hard. It's been really hard, this pandemic. No, no, no. Spending the money is the easy part. It's it's paying off the bonded debt. Now, now Mm. that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, apparently. Ugh, it never stops. It's going to be, I think, as boring as the throne speech was, Tom, and I really tried to keep my eyes open, it is still going to be an interesting session uh, of just bickering and nonsense games. I I think they are already at each other's throats. A lot of hard feelings from that campaign and a lot of divisions in society these days. But there's also a lot of important issues, and as a former Prime Minister mm-hmm. John Diefenbaker used to say, strong people have strong opinions. If you value decorum, do not look at the House of Commons, because there are strong people there who have sharply different opinions about how this country should run. Yeah, there's also a lot of stupid people that are ruining it. All right, Tom, on that note, uh, you have a great day. I know you're very busy, and we'll uh, chat again. Thank you. Thank you very much, Alex. That's Tom Korski digging things up for a Black Lock supporter where he is the managing editor and he's on with us Monday through Wednesday. But of course, it is subscription based. So if you want all the goods, they're worth it and you get them. Stay with us here. Alex Pearson on point. This is Global News Radio.